0: All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mindset. You, Punchline J is here along with Moody Mo and Robo rancis who is away from his normal place. How you doing, buddies?
1: That was Good. Roboto,
0: Mister Roboto. I don't. Know, I'm just. I'm saying whatever. Changes in our beach Just change it. It's Which fine. One was Mr. Me off the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so back. what are we talking about today? We are talking about dealing with different types of people, sometimes difficult microphone hitters, other times children and their parents. I don't have much. I mean, my I guess dealing with, with children just comes from working at a summer camp when I was younger. And um, my way of dealing with difficult kids was, oh, you're going to be in gym today? Counselors versus campers dodgeball. And that was my way of dealing with it. Um, but how would you deal like- with kids? If you I have one, the, like how, like if I had a kid, yeah, oh, I lock him in a room until he acts right, and that's it.
1: So
2: basically, apply the same logic. You yeah, just yeah, test.
0: it's just it's just dad versus son or child dodgeball, and then whoever wins <laughs> is not in trouble. No, I don't know. It's it depends on on what the issue is, I guess. You know, Um but you don't ever think about, think about it. Decide. What dealing with like how like, would as a, with like a kid? becoming
1: a parent and parenting.
0: No, to be honest with you, I don't. You never thought it. about it. No, like I think about it, but I don't go. Mm, I would. I, I just think about like the cute stuff, like oh look, there's there's a baby, and then it's like oh look, I'm well, teaching him how to ride a bike.
1: Yeah, that's so what I'm then, asking about because you don't you, you you talk as if you don't want kids, but I'm, I'm curious to know. It I know
0: <laughs> I know you don't. Literally don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm ever wondering if you think about it.
0: Yeah, I do sometimes, and then I just. You know I'm like oh that baby is cute. I wonder what having a kid would be like, and then I just start thinking about all the other things that come along with having a kid. I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, I mean
2: I've seen Jay with with my son teaching my son how to skateboard and stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I He's like really I, I I love the children, I just don't want them. I, I think kids are great. I just I like them from afar, not in my house all the time. You know. All right, so let's talk about
2: from from this perspective, uh, Jay. You've never really been in a position to to manage kids, have you?
0: Uh, I mean, I worked at a summer camp when I was in college. Okay, um, but I mean, we also had a teacher in the room. I was just uh, uh, I was just getting paid to sit there and be hungover, pretty much, and then just lead dodgeball. <laughs> that was pretty much it. So uh, I remember that. The
2: the was that from um, was the movie with uh that they go to Vegas, Hangover, yeah the one teacher one,
0: yeah basically Uh, he takes all the money
2: from the kids like yeah bring your money for the trip he's like counting the money yeah that was pretty much me that was it um all right so that's that's Jay's uh, experience, Uh, my experience is as a father, and also some coaching with kids. But the heaviest experience here comes from Moses, the tenured teacher, educator. <laughs>
1: I would feel, I feel like a parent is more experienced than a teacher. Well, it's just different aspects. Like in terms yeah. of behavior, I feel like a parent has way more experience with that. Yeah. But you also have more freedom to build in. In, in regards to building a, a human being that is going to be civilized in society, I feel like the weight is has more bearing on the on the
0: parent. Yeah, but I guess yeah. with you, I think you just have more experience dealing with different types of kids because you know. Oh
1: yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Volume,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and the personalities, like influx. difficult
1: personalities. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Jay said, it's just they're just miniature adults. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're just little tiny adults, and then when you see when you see their parents, sometimes I feel like you're like, oh, I get it now. Exactly. <laughs> you're just a little reflection, huh?
1: Well, I mean, it's pretty interesting that you said that because whenever we would have parent-teacher conference, like the first one was always the one we were excited about because it was just like, oh, we're going to get a deeper understanding into why the kid is the way he or she is, right. and the parent literally walks in doesn't have to say anything. We're just like, ah, oh, okay. Do
0: you ever have like a a bad kid, but their parents were like really, really nice and they just had no control over the kid? Yeah.
1: That's that happens all the time. There's like these parents that are super passive with their kids and they kind of like mommy them or you -hmm. know, baby them a little bit, and they're just little assholes in the classroom. (laughs) But I, I tend to I tend to find that those kids are the most fun to actually like deal with. Because yeah. they're actually really they're, they're they're more they take more risk, so therefore they know more. Okay. Right? So because they take more risk, they have more experience. So they talk to you about their thought process, and they're more expressive. They're like they're not afraid to show you like who they really are, mm, as got opposed it. to parent. As opposed to some of the kids, and I mean this differs for a lot, but when mm-hmm. I saw it was like the. The ones that misbehaved more often were were typically the ones that would tell you the truth. Now are you, you talking like,
2: about like the class clowns, like the Jays, or are you talking about like the the kids like angry, breaking things?
0: Th- yeah, throwing not nah, at you kind uh, of thing. No,
1: nah, that's different. So yeah. I'm talking about the class clowns, the ones that like you know, like to play around and crack jokes and yeah, and like, you know
0: they're not bad, they're just disruptive kind yeah, of Yeah, they're
1: disruptive. They yeah. get up, they're Jumping all over the place. Um, okay. The ones that are angry, um, I mean, the ones I've dealt with, one was ODD. So, um, ODD? Uh, obsessive, ODD, obs-
0: uh, I forgot it OCD?
1: Word.
0: No. It was ODD. ODD,
1: yeah. It's obsessive disruptive. disruptive disorder. So, like, they, they're angry. Defines mm-hmm. disorder. There you yeah. go. Mm. Obsessive defines disorder. Um, but I don't know what the O means. It's just defined. <laughs> They're very defined. Uh, and I remember I had one kid that was like that. He was yeah. diagnosed ODD. Yeah, and that was really hard because he couldn't control it. Mm. It was just something that came up. Like he'd be a sweet kid, you know. One moment, the next moment, completely just flip yeah. the shit and just yeah. go off the walls. That's rough.
0: Um, would you? I guess in that case, do do kids like that ever have like a special handler or something like that? Then, like in summer camp, we had kids with with certain, you know, um, with certain disabilities and stuff like that. And if it was something like they couldn't control, they usually had like a handler with them. That yeah, you'll you know, have some.
1: You'll have some kids that have like a teacher's assistant with them if they have IEPs. Uh, IEPs yeah. or individu- individual education plans or behavior plans. Got it. Uh, just to kind of help and assist, guide the kid through through the day. Yeah. Um, I tend to have the belief even when I was a teacher and even more so now, like with a lot of the work that Rancis and I do and, and learning about, you know, physiology and neurology and the psychology that comes along with it. Uh, I was more about becoming least restrictive as possible. Like, so the way it works in education Is like the more disorders a child has, the more restrictive the environment becomes. Right. So if you had uh, a kid that's mentally disabled, it's the most restrictive environment. They're put into a separate school and they have like four assistants and they have like a teacher in the room and they get a nurse. right? Like that's the most restrictive environment. Yeah. You know, then you have like a special education classroom. It's like 15 or 13 kids with a teacher and an assistant. And then you have like a larger you? classroom. Say it again? How many kids? Yeah, it's typically about 13 to 15 kids. Yeah,
0: I, I guess remember. it depends on the school yeah. size, right? Because Five. like, yeah. I guess like when we grew up, our school was relatively small. So it was like, you know, eight kids maybe. But in a big school where there's, you know, a well, thousand our, kids in a, in yeah. a grade, you yeah. know.
1: But for sure, the, the volume of kids definitely makes a difference. But also... Uh, special education has a larger budget now, um, because of all the different disorders, especially ADD and ADHD that has been kind of more prevalent in, in modern society. But when we were growing up, those things weren't as, uh, big issues like we see now. And because of that, schools get money, uh, based on how many kids, uh, can go into a special education classroom. So there's different settings. So there's like an uh, ICT, which is like a bigger regular classroom, but there's two teachers in it. So if you have out of those kids, if you have like 30 kids and half of them have IEPs, that's another I think it's like 13 grand per kid for each school year. Yeah. Right. So the more special education kids you have, the more money uh, typically comes to the school to support that, which is better for the school because. Purchase more materials, access more programs, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. You can maneuver the monies the way you want as the school. Yeah. Leader.
2: You know, um, as you're talking about that, just makes me think of the, like, you know, the, the concept of a challenging child, right? I just think of when you know these things, it makes it so much easier to understand the intention, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if a kid is being disruptive and so on and so forth... To me, it's always about like, number one is don't take it personal, right? That's, that's the first thing, which is the hardest part for many folks. But the way that you learn to not take it personal is like, okay, what's the child's intention, right? And if you learn that there's these challenges, that the child has some sort of disruptive behavior issue, then you understand, oh, it's not intentional at all. Right. There's there's some other factors that are interrupting it, which then lets you position yourself, your mindset in a more uh, understanding place so that you can deal with it better as fo- as opposed to taking a personal feeling like it's a personal attack.
1: So I think that applies to both children and adults. <laughs> yeah <'Cause, laughs> Like most of the times, like I'm a firm believer that like ninety nine percent of the world. The people are good. They have good intentions. But what I believe is that hurt people hurt people. So, you know, if somebody does some type of thing to you, obviously mm-hmm. you have the right to defend yourself and all these things. You have the right to draw that boundary. Um, But I don't think people do it intentionally most of the times. So I don't think people are actively trying to hurt somebody. And the same thing with kids. Like a kid, you know, I talk to teachers all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this kid has it out for me, or you know, has this, or their parents this, and X, Y, Z. I'm like, they're just a kid. Like, they yeah. don't know. They have no idea, and they have less control over their emotions. And I think that's the biggest part. It's, and and this is where the the training for parents and teachers, um, are. I believe it is is missing. Is the the understanding of like what an emotion actually is. Right. What, what is anger? Like, why does my kid lose his shit? Right. Why does my kid misbehave? And is this like, there's this like emotion, this energy that exists within the body that the kid doesn't understand and can't control
2: energy. And our job as
1: parents and teachers are to help that kid control that.
2: And the way that we help them control is by training in that, in that environment where they learn oh, this is what this is. This is how I use this energy. So, you know, we're running the the summer camp right now, the basketball summer camp. And some of these kids have, you know, big reactions, right? They play seriously. They, you know, they have a lot of passion. Mm -hmm. And when things aren't going their way, you know, you can see them completely break down. And the thing is like what Moses was saying about like the restrictive environment, like that's the way that we typically deal with that type of situation. A child is being disruptive. So let's now suppress them. Let's, let's punish them. Let's put them out and so on and so forth, which when we look at, again, that concept of intention, like why this is happening and this is not taking it personally, we see, okay, so this kid is experiencing a, flow of energy inside themselves they clearly care about something and this energy plus the care means that i need to fight for the thing i care for and then the adults tell you you're bad sit down go away but no one actually stops to say hey this energy that you're feeling it's not a bad thing We just need to learn how to put it in the right places, right? So what happens to the kid? They either learn how to suppress it and behave, right? Or they just create this belief about themselves that they're horrible. And that's just who they are, which then further pushes that idea of like, this is the way I behave. This is my belief. This is my framework. This is my mindset. So, I think the most empowering thing that we can do is always, again, understand that like Moses said, they're just kids. The intentions aren't evil. The intentions aren't to hurt you. The intentions are something entirely different, whether it's really a big, like we see in the basketball camp, a lot of passion for what they're doing, or if it's, you know, Unable to communicate their own emotions. Unable to express what they're going through. I think those are always opportunities. And I also wanted to ask Jay a question here, though. Because Mo mentioned about, like, I believe that 99% of people are good. And Jay's like, fuck out of here. (laughs) And I believe that Jay may have a difference of opinion.
0: Um, I don't think everybody's inherently born bad. Um, but I don't believe that people are. I, I yeah, I don't believe people are necessarily good either. Um, I guess you know, I give kids. I the older I get, the more empathy I have. So I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I go, oh, okay, you know, there's probably an underlining reason why they're behaving this way, kind of thing. But also, at the same time, just square the fuck up if that's the case. Um <laughs> and um, but I give kids. I think I with kids. I learn to have more empathy and and to try to dig deeper into why they're misbehaving. Well, not misbehaving. Why they're lashing out and w- whichever way they are, and that's usually helped. Um, I'm learning to do that more with adults. Um, because the older I before, if somebody said something I didn't agree with and I just was like, oh, you're being an idiot, I'd say, like, oh, you're stupid. That's cool. That This is awesome to their face. And it usually wasn't, didn't go over well. Usually they're offended and then they say, say something mean back. Um, but yeah, it's hard to, it's hard for me to feel that, that people are, are inherently good.
1: So let me ask you something. Can either of you in your life name three people that are bad in your life that you know personally know there's just like
0: these are bad people like do I know them personally yeah not from
1: not from stories not from stories yeah, just from like stories. you experienced
0: like they did whatever shit. it was yeah like me.
1: bad yeah like they are malintended they tried to hurt you um says, you got
2: anybody? No, not from... uh, So, I can think of people that tried to hurt me. Yeah. But then the inherently bad thing is where... Because I don't believe that. I don't believe that people are inherently bad. So, for me, the idea is that when they tried to hurt me is because of a reason you know that that can be explored so like you know when i was when i was like 6 or 7 years old i think it was 7 years old you know uh living in new york city i was uh so i got in a fight with with a kid and cops come to my door they are banging on the door. My parents were at home. It was my sister that that's seven years old. Oh, ago. you told
0: us the story that Taking the cop pulls you yeah. into the stairwell?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And all the stuff that he said that this grown man said, a white guy, said to a child, seven-year-old child, like when my kids were that age to me, I was like, how could someone speak to a child that way, right? And like that for me was one of those healing factors where, you know, I hated cops you know for growing up in that environment i hated cops and especially like the white cops they don't even know us and so on and so forth it was us versus them and as i you know moved and grew up and saw people become cops and all this stuff i start to realize it's like oh it's it's not this like evil person or whatever. It's just like literally a lack of understanding. It's a person that comes from one environment and you, you throw them into environment, into the worst case scenario of that environment, because as a cop, you're going to be called to situations where things are going wrong already, which then allows you to start creating a bias against these people that you're, you're supposed to be serving and protecting because they're all crazy. They're all wild. I see this every single day and it's true for them. That's the only side that they see because that's when cops are called. So then they start to grow this like hatred, this feeling towards towards these specific people that match this description, that match their daily experience. And I can't say that this person is inherently bad because of that. It's It's a lived experience. They haven't had the opportunity. So even from that end,
0: I'm very forgiving. Jay, that's her. I mean, I don't have anybody that like has done something terrible to me, but I've worked in news for long enough to write thousands of stories about people doing terrible things to kids and other people. That leads me to think some people are fucking bad. Oh yeah, and for sure, that does. Exist. Yeah, so I, it's not necessarily so. Not necessarily to me.
1: So if you take one percent of seven billion people on this planet,
0: you know, it's, Matt, it's not my strong suit. It's seven million people. I just like people I'm, I'm for their sh- face that for their nice people. It doesn't <laughs> Most I'm people I bring person. up to you, like I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even know why. It's just I see them like there's something about their face. I'm just like, it's hittable. But you want to know what? It's they're more about teachers. Me.
1: They're teachers that feel that way about oh, certain know. kids, right? Like a kid will come in and be like, yo, this kid just looks straight up annoying. Yeah. Right. But and, and I think this is important is to understand how our biases like even your bias, your biases from working in the news gives mm-hmm. you a perception that the world, right? Like there's evil people in the world, yeah. right? Where we can argue that 99% of 7 billion people have good intentions and that 1%, which would be around 7, 70 million people. It's a lot of people. It's a lot
0: of people, yeah, but it's 1%. Yeah, that's like 1% of this grant, like the grand scheme of things. So, sure, if you're going to use that model, yeah, sure.
2: But that's the it's, reality.
0: There's not a, the model. Reality. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not a model. It's, it's literally yeah. the world.
2: <laughs> so, but it goes into into that point that I was saying, like the same thing. You were in that same environment where the thing that your job focused on was
1: all the bad stuff that went down.
0: No, so, we even had the though nice things that squirrels run. Nah, man,
1: squirrels. this is not designed for that. Like, I've been watching. So, I'm on the fourth, fourth episode, fourth season of succession. News is fucked up, bro.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's an environment made to keep the focus on the negative. And if you look at that from that perspective, it's like, Jay, you're you're you were constantly. That child in, that in the song. background
0: does not agree with you right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I told you, I got a bunch of kids. I'm in the other side of the house <laughs> trying to get away from them, but they're going to reach it. <laughs> um, but anyways, that environment that you were in established that belief, that perspective on, hey, this is... The world is an awful place because that's
0: the only corner you're looking in. So it makes sense. And again, I don't like... The, you, but I don't think the world's an awful place. It's just that I don't... Sure, okay, maybe... 99% of the, the world is nice. Sure. I don't like that one percent. I'm gonna focus on the one percent. That's that's my world. I don't know what to tell you. I don't go around going, he's bad, he's bad, he's bad, he's bad. But I also don't go, oh, he must be nice. I go, he might be nice.
1: So when, when something when when you have like an altercation or or conflict with someone, what's what's your immediate kind of response?
0: Oh, before I feel like
1: we're ganging up on Jay.
0: <laughs> oh no, not at all. No, okay. I don't feel like that. Um, right. No, I think before my my initial reaction would be to to lash to come right back, show my teeth, kind of thing. And as I get older, it's kind of like, oh, why are you acting like this? What's wrong? You know, I'll I'll start doing that. And sometimes I'm doing it to be a dick. And I'm like, oh, oh, somebody, are you hurt? Are you are you lashing out at me? Who hurt you? Kind of thing, but I'm really asking a question. But I do it in in an antagonizing way, um, because I still have some self growth to do. So you still um, want to fight people? Oh yeah, I still want to fight people. That doesn't change it. But I go about it in a nicer way. I don't go immediately to like you fucking fuck. I hope you know. But do you question?
1: Like, do you question their intention when they're when they're lashing when out they're, at you or upset with you?
0: Yeah, I guess it depends on on what the what the issue is.
1: So for example, when you, when you get into an altercation with, with like Ashley. Right? Yeah. Ash. Do you question your intention first? Like you say to yourself, like, all right, is there something that I did? Oh, totally. To- well, when, uh,
0: when it comes to her, when it comes to people that I truly care about, it's, it's a big okay. difference compared oh. to just like the random person off the street kind of thing. Got it. Got it. You know what I mean? Once I know you, I give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm just talking straight up. You're walking down the street. We you know, we accidentally bump shoulders. I go, oh, my bad. And he, and somebody goes, yeah, it is your fucking bad. And I'm like, all right, it is my bad. I know I apologize kind of thing. And then they keep it going. And then it's like, all right, well, I don't know what you want me to do. Are you, are you okay? Do, do but you, you don't think that person this? is bad then? It depends. If they keep going, if they just want to fight me, I'm like, oh, you're bad. You're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize that, to you. What do you want good. from me? <laughs> kind of thing. You know? So I got a
1: question for both of you, because I think this falls in line with both the relationships that you build with adults and teachers. What is the difference between students me? Uh, uh, sorry, adults and, and children. Uh, what is the difference between, you know, uh, a boundary and an expectation?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Can I have the definition of both, please? <laughs> and <laughs> you do have a computer in front of you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm using it. It's full screen right now. Hold on. I don't want to just look down at my phone. Give me a uh, second while I read. I'll I'll let get away.
2: Uh, <laughs> I wanted to, to hear Jay's first, but I'll go. Um so for me, the and Mo, you and I have spoken about like boundaries and stuff like that in the past. Um, For me, the boundary is when you set a boundary is this is how I will behave or how I will choose to behave if you do X, right? So if Mo, you start yelling and cursing at me, I'm going to choose to walk away because I won't, I don't want that action towards me. So it's going to be the behavior that I choose to do because of an action that you're doing. Right. So when you set a boundary with a loved one, it's like, um, hey, you when you approach me this way, I'm not going to engage. Okay, you can I'm not trying to control the other person. I'm talking about what I'm going to do or I can be like, I'm going to shut down and walk away. That's a boundary to me. Now, expectation is now goes to the other person. It's what I expect them to do. Right, So boundary is my planned behavior, expectation is my creation of what they're going to do, their behavior should be, and I'm going to hold them to that. So when they behave in any other way, I'm going to be disappointed.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, boundary, I guess, to me, is more of a personal thing of like, okay, you know, I, I, these are, this is, you know, this is how I like to be treated. And if you cross that boundary, kind of thing, you know. Um, I guess we address it. And expectation goes to how you expect somebody else to to act. I guess, and I guess it becomes blurred when you're a parent. I think because you know your boundary and expectations kind of start blurring because it's like it's it's they're in your personal life. They they affect you on a daily basis, kind of thing. And your expectations for them could. Bleed from the expectation of yourself into them kind of thing, um, but yeah, i don't i don't I don't truly know. I guess I never really thought about that, so the reason I'm asking this is because
1: what I've observed are that a lot of parents will establish expectations with their children, but not really so many boundaries boundaries. and then with adults these adults will set expectations for adults and no boundaries as well, right? Yeah. What I think happens is that with kids as they went for me, my belief is that when they're younger, you establish expectations, right? To give them some type of structure to navigate in whatever environment they're in, right? There's some type of expectations. But you also have to give them enough room to fuck up. So with that You need to establish boundaries so that when they cross that, they understand how their behavior impacts your behavior, right? So there's a chain reaction to how they behave, not just that they broke a rule and here's a consequence. Uh, I think Rancis does a really good, Rancis and Paola do a really good job of this with their kids, right? Like they allow them to make decisions. They give them the extra, the clear expectations of the different consequences that can occur and the moment it cross, crosses their boundary as an adult, they uh, establish that boundary, and there's a chain reaction that occurs. And it's clear, right? With adults manage, interacting with other adults, there are a lot of expectations that aren't necessarily clearly communicated. Yeah, which then crosses automatically allows gets adults to cross boundaries, which then that's where relationships fall apart. So the same thing that adults do with kids. They do with other adults,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is going back to your point, adults are just big kids.
0: Yeah. And, um, some um, adults uh continue.
1: Go ahead. What were you gonna say?
0: Oh no, I was gonna say, and it and it's and that's especially true because I feel like a lot of adults, me myself included, aren't exactly good at expressing themselves a lot. And that that lack of communication is what leads to boundary crossing and not making people aware, and then in turn getting mad at people for stuff that they had no idea of a line that they were stepping or this expectation that was put on them originally kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. at yeah. To that point, I just thought about like the, the assumption part, right? So like the assumption is like the child of a uh, expectation, mm-hmm. right? You are expecting this behavior And thus everything that's happening either in line with that behavior or against that behavior, you're creating assumption, you're creating meaning as to why. And like to Moses' point of like that establishing understanding is missing. So everything that say you and I are speaking, Jay, you and I are speaking, Mm -hmm. right? And instead of me finding out why you said... You know, most people are are bad. I'm just assuming that you just dealt with a bunch of bad people, right? Yeah. So now wait, I can go about, off. So wait, tell, I'm not saying you record. said that. I'm, I'm okay. not saying you like, said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using the scenario. Back to it. Okay. <laughs> but Jason, now, <laughs> now my point, my point I is yeah, that but... now, if I'm if I'm making that assumption, now everything that you do. Becomes an expectation, of like, oh yeah, yeah he's doing that because, um, mm-hmm. you know, he hates people, <laughs> right? And then every now I start building this whole meaning, this whole story that may be the furthest thing from the truth, mm-hmm. because I'm unwilling to seek understanding as to what your motive is, what your desire is.
1: Yeah, you know, Rance, you just triggered a bunch of thoughts in my head, and this is what I came out with. Expectations establish the how to engage in the environment boundaries establish how to engage with the individual. Mm. Mm. So like if I set expectations for how we're going to engage on this podcast, then Mm -hmm. I'm I'm establishing the rules for this podcast. Right. But if I'm, if I'm establishing how to engage or talk to me, I'm establishing the boundary specifically toward, to me. Mm -hmm. So
2: I have a question on that to push a little bit. So if you say, give me an, a, an example of a boundary on how to engage with you.
1: Um, well, yeah. when we go into an argument, mm-hmm. right, uh, instead of shouting and raising your voice, the boundary that I'm going to establish is that we will enter the rumble process that has a bunch of expectations that will establish the environment for us to have that conversation.
2: So in that process you're
1: dictating how i should behave no in that process i'm if you're sh- if you're sh- shouting at me i'm going to say hey rancis i'm not going to do this i'm going to initiate the rumble process mm-hmm. right so if get i the journals are quick yeah if i establish the boundary and i say to you hey rancis whenever you and i get into an argument Right. And I feel that it's going out of the range where we're able to have a productive conversation. I'm going to enact the rumble process. That's that's the boundary. So that's where that's
2: where like my definition of the boundary kind of differs from yours in the sense because like you're establishing what we both are going to do. Right. So again, that's
1: dictating like my behavior too. I said, I'm going to establish, I'm going to initiate the rumble. You still have the choice to agree to it or not. Okay. Okay. You have, you have the choice to agree Mm -hmm. to it. I'm just going. Because I I I also think there's a
2: difference between like a rule and a boundary. Oh yeah, you know for sure. So like a rule is like, um, when you, you're not allowed to yell at me, you're not allowed to speak to me this way. Right. That's a rule which is not necessarily that it's a bad thing, but it's different than a boundary. A boundary to me is like, oh, it's all internal. It's like what I'm going to do with this, how I'm going to behave. So I'm Sorry.
1: going to disengage with you if you yell at me. I think a rule is only a rule if everybody in the room agrees, which to me is just a synonym for an expectation, mm-hmm. right? If, if I say to you, you're not allowed to yell at me and you say, yes, I am. <laughs> Like, how does my rule stand? It doesn't, there's nothing that can be done. We're going to go back into an argument. So mm-hmm. it, it allows for no productive conversation. So then the rule doesn't exist because therefore the relationship never exists. Which is the key factor to me about what's the difference
2: between like a boundary and a rule. Because mm-hmm. a, a rule cannot be, you can, like you said, you can't enforce a rule. Mm-hmm. A rule, you know, if you have power in the relationship, in the environment, whatever it is, then you might be able to enforce the rule. Right. Intimidate someone and say, you, you're not allowed to yell at me, but a boundary is, this is what I'm going to do. These are my actions that I'm going to do when you do this, when you, Mm. you know, so I agree with that. mm -hmm. So if like, Hey, you start, you know, you pull out a gun on me, I'm going to call the cops. Right. That's I'm going to call the cops. You should run first. He's probably. should probably run. That
0: should be your first rule: <laughs> run and then call. My rule is I'm
2: going to run. My boundary is I'm going to call the cops. <laughs> there okay, we go. Do, do you
1: do you consider yourself? Because I mean, I, I don't think we've really. I mean, other than we were kids and we argued and got into fights, um, I don't. I don't really know how you engage with conflict as an adult. Like, how do you do that now?
0: um i'm trying to think ash and i ash is probably the healthiest like uh dealing with confrontation because we kind of just talk you i don't this made me feel this way and it's like the first time i was was like i get that i could see you know why you would feel that way kind of thing compared to before in the past and like other relationships where it's like i feel this way and someone's like no you don't and i'm like i'm telling you how i feel like that's not how you feel i'm like what what are we doing here then kind of thing. Um, mm. I think that's always like, that's a boundary that, that I learned to set for myself, I guess, where it's like, I'm not going to let people tell me how I feel kind of thing.
1: So how do you um, engage with conflict at work?
0: Uh, conflict at work. It's kind of just, just solve it. It's, there's no, it's hard when it's like the customer service business kind of thing where it's Mm -hmm. like it's not so much conflict within like within coworkers and stuff like that because we all just get our shit done and that's it kind of thing but like with clients and stuff like that sometimes they can come off like they're ready to fight you for some reason like i had i didn't handle this order i don't understand why you're yelling at me kind of thing and it's just kind of just you gotta talk to my kids like sir i understand please let me help you like kind of thing i'm trying to i'm trying to help you kind of thing so like it's It's more like conflict de escalation, I guess, is Mm. with dealing with work and stuff like that. Because, like, engaging them or getting in, you know, or matching their energy doesn't solve anything. Mm. You know, and I think that's one thing I learned getting older is that, like, you don't always have to match the person's energy if they're the one who's like lashing out at the moment, because that just kind of escalates the situation. So, I guess. I've been learning more to to not match that energy when it first comes my way and to think about why are they acting like that and why am I so ready to to meet them at that level kind of thing. And try to work on that. You know. Now am I successful successful in it all the time? No. You know, but I think that's human nature. But I think it's also taking accountability and realizing when there's times where it's like, oh. I reacted like this and it had more to do with me than it did with the person kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think with, I've said this before. And like, I think in the relationship podcast with, with Ash, when it comes to something like we disagree in the past relationships, I just lash out and be like, Oh, you're like, you're being an asshole kind of thing. Now I just get quiet and it's not like, Oh, I'm shutting down. It's just, I'm using that time to process why I'm feeling like, why they're acting the way they are and try to, you know, don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out. This is going to make it worse kind of thing. And then when I'm like, okay, I think I'm, I'm able to come about this rationally, then I'm able to have a better conversation about it. But I do have to give myself a little breathing room sometimes with it. Um compared to I know like other people's styles were like, oh, let's talk about this right now. And it's like, oh I don't know how I feel right now. You know, I'm gonna say some shit that I don't mean kind of thing. Um so I, I do respect your rumble process. I think that's a, a pretty healthy way. Um, but then also the parties is like you fucking silly gooses, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
1: just think that with adults, you know, establishing an, an environment where you can have difficult conversations allows for productive conversation. I think that's why it's so yeah. powerful. I think when it comes to kids, it's it's one, the adults being aware of not allowing their biases and expectations flood
0: yeah. the kids
1: understanding of the experience that's ha- actually happening. I think where, where adults can actually have more traction is in the power of questioning. It's like, trying to understand. And and I mean, even in the rumble process, a lot of that is like, there's a list of questions to go through before you even start having a conversation. And the reason that yeah. is, is because questions put you in a place of curiosity. And when you're curious, you gain more perspective, which allows you to find more solutions to engage with someone else, especially a child who yeah. has no idea what the fuck is going on within in their mind and their body. They're just, they're mm-hmm. still learning. So I, I think that, the power of questioning, either either with adults or with children, is the key.
2: I was going to say about that idea, you know, we talked about the emotions, right? The The high level of emotions happening inside the individual, whether it's an adult or a child. Now, what I also believe is that all emotions have a purpose. They're showing up for a reason, right? So like, for example, when we're talking about someone being difficult, a lot of times it's anger, right? And anger to me is defined as something that is trying to protect you, right? When I'm angry, something about me feels threatened and I'm trying to protect myself, right? That doesn't mean that it's logical or that it's right. But if I understand that that's the desire, that's the intention that's showing up behind this emotion, I think it gives you a lot of clues as to where this behavior is coming from. So, so why, were like you, with, why were
1: you so angry when you were a kid? I think that's a great what question. Are you protecting?
0: His mainframe. I. <laughs> what was that? What did you say? He said his mainframe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so as a kid. I had, I was the youngest of four and my one brother that's uh, five years older than me, he and I would constantly be in combat and like, I mean, physical combat, he's five years older than me. So a five-year-old versus a 10-year-old, you know, that dynamic. You should have won. Huh? You should have won. That's my expectation on you. That's my expectation. <laughs> and for me, that felt like, a like he was, he was better at me physically. He was better at me with the name calling. He was better at me. He could always get under my skin. So it was this constant, like shoving down from my sibling. Right. Now you go into um, how I was socially. I was very quiet all the time. And with that, I had, situations where someone would take my quietness as a weakness and will come mess with me and i'm like a caged dog that
1: would just explode so jay was right you were protecting your mainframe your ego yes you're protecting the ego which
2: it's like perfect because what i was going to say directly ties into this and I remember the moment when I was able to say something to my brother that got under his skin. I knew an ass beating was coming my way, but I didn't care because I made him upset by the words that I
1: said. And that felt super powerful. Yes. It feels good. Doesn't it? So when a kid is angry, right. Specifically like a kid that gets very angry, very passionate say one of the campers lose their stuff, lose their shit. They're protecting their ego, their identity. Yes. And that's yeah.
2: exactly where I was going to, because in a, in a parent, parent child or, or coach child, teacher child, anytime there's an adult and a child, there is a power dynamic. That child automatically feels powerless. Mm. Right. Mm. And the more the, going back to what you said before, the more that adult enforces that power, the more that child wants to protect themselves. yeah. And I think if we understand that, like with a lot of these kids that have been having these reactions at the camp, I simply just talk to them. I get at their level and talk to them and like a person, not like an adult talking to a child. Cause I, I see some of the other coaches right away. They're like, why are you doing this? Right. Chastising. I talk to them as a purpose. I was like, Hey, so you're really upset right now. I can see that. Do you do you know what you're trying to achieve by this behavior? Just by asking them th- that question, they're like... <sighs> and they literally calm down. And then I can li- have a conversation. I can feel them out and they calm down. Why? Because I just spoke to them like a person. I elevated their power, their feeling of importance. Going to adults, that's mainly like, you're talking about customer service, Jay. When when they're when someone's calling a company, they feel like, "Hey, these people took my money. I'm in. I'm powerless now. Yeah, I'm dying to get some power back, right?" And they don't see you as an individual. They see the company as an individual. Mm-hmm. You're part of that individual. You're a cell yeah. in that organism. So I need my power back, and that's what they're going after. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, when you have a difficult person, it's like it's a person that desperately wants power
0: because it's been taken away from them somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I said. just
0: want to So I know that We're going to start Ending these things With like a ritual Or like what we learned So I'm going to use Your guys tools To talk to Bailey here About not shitting on the rug <laughs> Mama Mama Andy, Jesus Christ Alright It's a family intervention here <laughs> 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 Indy, I thank you for if you have to take a shit, you go into the shower. That's really helpful. Truly, it is. Mama, one more foot. <laughs> one more foot and you're there. All right. Daddy's tired of cleaning the rugs every other day. All right. I love you. <laughs> Do better. <laughs> Do better. Okay. Yeah. I think that worked. Now I'll report back to you. I set my boundary. <laughs> And we have an expectation. Please don't sit on the rugs anymore.
1: (laughs) Let's assuming they can understand you.
0: They understand. Should Um, we end with uh, gratitude? Yes, let's end with gratitude. I'm thankful for you guys for making me think about my feelings and and to think, okay, maybe the world isn't as bad as I think it might be, (laughs) even if it's a fact that 99% is better than the rest, but whatever. Um, I I, I didn't say it was a fact,
1: I just said I think 99%
0: No, that's fine, whatever Moral of the story is, I thank you guys for always making me think outside the box and and get out of my comfort zone so I appreciate that and making me have these thoughtful conversations on a Sunday I love it so much (laughs) Francis? I'll
2: go Okay, Um, I'm grateful for for the opportunities that we have with this world that we live in. So, for example, I'm away outside of my computer and I have access to internet. I have access to devices that I can still be on here. And I'm grateful for Joe, uh, Joe, (laughs) Jay always being a clown. (laughs) And I'm
1: grateful for Moses always challenging me. What am I grateful for? I'm grateful that I'm going to get to rest this week. Um, It's been a while since I've rested, like disconnect from everything. Uh, I I actually am grateful for these conversations because I do think about them after and I re-listen to them uh, at home. So, I mean, in the car. Uh, just I to, do
0: most of my listening. I yeah, know, I'm like, oh, wow, I sound,
1: And then I go and I say, like, "Wow, I sound great. I make a lot of sense."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then Rancis talks, and I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> ten minutes." <laughs> and that's your actually, ego. actually, actually, he's been doing a lot better. I'm like, he oh, has god, been. Yes, Rance's has been really concise mm-hmm. on his responses, and they've been actually uh, entertaining. Um, so that makes time. me feel really bad. Because it's
2: because my brain is broken, not because I'm intentional.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, your brain's doing I think, better.
0: I think your brain's doing better. I think your little factory reset did it. Did wonders. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Insane. That
1: was great. Um, and, and I think Jay, man, I think Jay adds a lot of spice and and humor to this podcast, and he makes me laugh every time I do this. I get at least two laughs every time I listen to the podcast. Alright let's get back on
2: track um, For our listeners I want to hear what, what they're grateful for And Do you have anyone that is Difficult that you have to deal with A child or, or an adult Send to comment below <laughs> Moses is trying to point It's it's just a blurry finger But
0: <laughs> Yeah for the audio listeners That was Moses pointing at Rancis I don't think you're that difficult, Rancis I mean, I don't deal with you the way Mo deals with you. I just think, yeah, actually, fuck that. You are, a guy you, but I love you.
1: <laughs> he's very anal about shit.
0: It's annoying, No, it's fun. It's fun. I love you. We all have our things. We do. Oh, nice. It's great. All right. I'm I've been holding in a fart for so long. I love you guys. Like, right, subscribe. Yeah. Find us everywhere on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I'm about to shit myself, guys. I swear <laughs> to God. Eating right now is not helping the situation.
1: Alright. All right,
0: right,
1: yeah. yeah. Peace, yo.
2: Bye guys. Peace. 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 Peace.